Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. Today on Episode 75, we have Coach Brian Ray. Brian Ray is a proud father, athletic director, boys basketball coach, baseball coach at Payson Seymour in Illinois. He's also an Illinois high school association football, basketball, and football official. Grew up in the Grand Rapids area of Michigan, where he played for his father at Colonial High School. He started as a head coach immediately after college, playing career ended, and thought that he was ready for the big time because he knew the game. He threw himself right into the fire and had to take many, many lumps. His 15 seasons as a head basketball coach, he's 256 wins, is a 650 winning overall percentage. After five seasons at three schools, he knew he had to find his identity and a style that was his if he really wanted to succeed. He was hired as the head coach at Payson Seymour, where he had been the coach for 10 seasons and counting. Payson Seymour High School is in Payson, Illinois on the Mississippi River, just minutes south of Quincy, Illinois. His record there is 217-75, and 75, a 743 win percentage. He has three regional championships. He has the program's first-ever sectional championship. He's an Elite Eight qualifier, program's first state appearance. He has a state ranked sixth of last seven seasons currently holding seven straight conference championships. He has helped develop and send 11 players on to play college basketball in the last eight years. Eight wins from being all-time wins leader in program coaching history. Illinois Basketball Coaches Association board member. As you can see, he's built a great program at Payson Seymour High School in Illinois. Uh, I think some of the best basketball coaches are in the Illinois, Missouri, and that type, that area right there. Uh, they really have some great teachers of the game, and I think you're going to enjoy how Coach Ray has built this program. He has some very simple values he's going to teach you, and I think you're really going to enjoy this podcast. This is Coach Brian Ray. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Coach. Hey, how you doing? Good. Can you hear me? Yep, loud and clear. <laughs> great, great. Hey, I appreciate you taking the time out to speak to me. I'm always enjoying talking to great coaches like yourself, and uh, I really appreciate it. I know uh, uh, Jarrett uh, Hunsinger definitely, definitely really mentioned you as one of a great mentor of him and so forth. So I appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hey, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, I always enjoy talking to coaches, particularly from Illinois. I think it's one of the, the top coaching states. I think there's so many good coaches out there. Uh, just give a little background of your journey and, and where you started playing and, and now what you're doing at, at Pace and Seymour. So I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Uh, all right. I will uh, try to get through it quickly. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm from the state of Michigan. Uh, around the Grand Rapids area in Michigan. I played for my father, uh, who was a head coach since uh, I was born. Um, only had a few coaches in my lifetime, actually, because uh, once I got into about fourth grade, uh, 
guy named Dean Cooper, who is a assistant for the Chicago Bulls right now, uh, was about 19 or 20 uh, and a graduate from the school my dad just got a job at and uh, asked if he could kind of help with the youth program and learn how to coach. So he was kind of my dad's right-hand man. And uh, I played for him in fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, uh, ninth, and was my uh, assistant assistant for my father uh, when I was on the varsity team uh, until I graduated. And then he kind of moved on. So it was him and my father that were really my only coaches uh, my entire life until I got to college, went to Quincy University. Uh, played for Steve Hawkins, who's the coach at Western Michigan University right now. Um, had a knee injury and transferred back home uh, to Aquinas College, an NAI school in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, played for Rick Elbro, who uh, was most, I think he's the head coach, head women's coach at Davenport University uh, in Caledonia, Michigan. Um, he was also an assistant coach at Michigan State. Uh, so those are the four four guys I played for, um, and at the very end of my career, I just happened to get a head coaching job uh, before I ever graduated, uh, still had to do my student teaching, and uh, that started my journey in coaching. Now, I started out young, and I was raw, naive. Um, I probably took the job uh, before I was ready. Uh, I knew the game of basketball. It's been all I've done all my life. But I thought, you know, my knowledge of the game and my passion and intensity uh, would make me a great coach. But uh, when you put yourself in tough, hard-to-win situations combined with being young and inexperienced and, you know, at that time having a having an ego and stuff, it kind of equals poor <laughs> performance. Right. Um, and not have, you know, that, that, that happened in the state of Illinois, which is weird. Uh, so I was about seven and a half hours away from uh, my home and my father being my mentor, he, you know, I had little to no help uh, and I tried to, to do it alone. And, and funny story, I just listened to your uh, last podcast with uh, Coach Bisher. Uh, he actually was the coach at Southeastern uh, when I was at Menden Unity and my first game as a head coach was against him and uh, he had to have... 15 years in by then or whatever, had a really good team. Um, and we lost by 53 in my first game. And I called my dad uh, on the bus and I said, I don't know if I can do this. And he goes, Oh, I've been beaten before. And I said, well, not by 53. <laughs> he goes, no, but, but close. And uh, you know, so it, it started out um, real bleak uh, and, without having a mentor, without having any help, I was the JV and the varsity coach. Um, had about 30 kids total. It was just me in the gym every day by myself. I uh, had coaching kids that were uh, older than my younger brother. Uh, so it was, it was thrown into the fire quickly. Uh, and I thought I had to copy from successful coaches. So I, I tried to be something I wasn't and I coached things I didn't believe or truly enjoy, but I did it because that's what winning coaches were doing. Uh, it took me, you know, five seasons uh, and then moving to Pace and Seymour till I finally, you know, kind of figured out myself and that I needed to stop trying to be somebody else or do something else and find what works for me and be me. That's Absolutely. I and I, I know you've done a great job. I, I tell you, I really enjoy the one thing I really enjoy about the podcast 
is studying coaches on what does it take to win because we're always trying to figure out ways to better ourselves. But, hey, going back, do you feel like you would have been better off coming in as an assistant and learning or learning the hard way like you did? Uh, it, it's tough. Um, I think my record would be better possibly, but then again, I might not have got the breaks I needed to, to get coaching jobs, be a head mm-hmm. coach, um, at, at that point. But, um, it, I guess it could have went two ways. I think it was good having to go in and see my weaknesses and those things that I didn't, um, think about and going back to Greg Bisher, um, you know, he and I have had some conversations. Uh, the one mentor he mentioned, uh, Mike Frey, uh, he actually uh, has played a little part in mentoring me as well, uh, along with Pat Rafferty, one of his best friends and a, you know, Illinois basketball coaches Hall of Famer, which they both are. Um, and they kind of taught me the things that weren't about basketball and how to be a, a quality coach and have longevity in this where, Nowadays, it's it's rare to see a coach that coaches a for ten years, um, you know, and those are guys that did it for thirty plus. And uh, I think that was the biggest thing was I knew the basketball, and I'm I'm a student of the game, so I'm always learning. I'm always uh, doing things to better myself that way. But you know, I never knew when I started out my first five years. I never knew who school board members were. I never knew, you know, how to play the political game. <laughs> you know, to a right. point where you don't have to sacrifice what you believe in, but you also know the, the landscape, know how things work, you know, whose toes not to step on, whose ego to grease a little bit, things like that. And uh, that really helped me uh, instantly when I took over at Payson. Yeah. So you, you learn, I guess you just, you know, you, you learn the hard way and so forth. And uh, I actually have an, a former player of mine who I, we just hired this year as my assistant. And I'm telling her right now, I'm trying to prepare her to be a head coach. Um, and I, yeah. I just say, you know, I hate to do that because she's great and I don't have a, a big coaching staff. It's her and I. But I think that we owe that to our assistants to try to groom and be head coach. You don't learn how to be a head coach, right, Brian, until you're a head coach. <laughs> I, I would say so. I, I think, you know, I think it helps to have a good mentor and be in a quality program. And you look at the college game, um, which I listened to your podcast with Coach Showalter, okay. uh, you know, about you, know, you, you want to go into college, but if you don't get with the right person or the right situation, you know, you may struggle, you know, making ends meet for the rest of your life because once a coach gets fired, you know, you're fired with them pretty much. Uh, but if I think I've had two of my former players that are now head coaches uh, within the, my former players within the last 10 years, both from Payson uh, that coached with me um, and one coaches, you, Greg Bisher talked about Andy Anderson at Canton, Missouri. Uh, my former player and assistant for the past few years, he's now the head coach at Canton. Um, so he's taken over for a legend and uh, Coach Anderson. Uh, another one of my players that's a year older than uh, him is the coach at Barry Western, who happens to be where Mike Frey uh, coached at one point. Um, so 
you know, they're, they're in the area. They got to see how a successful program was kind of run. And then, like you said, with uh, your former player, that's going to help you out, you know, teach them the ropes and, you know, they'll, they'll learn the basketball and they've been in the program and know what, what the basketball portion is, but to teach them all the other things, how to deal with parents, how to deal with kids, build relationships, uh, you know, try to, try to stay out of the the crosshairs all the time. No, you know, one of those things that was tough for me was I, I didn't know uh, my first five years, I didn't really think people were watching me during the games, but it's amazing how many people, Oh, did you see him do that? Did you see, he jumped in the air. He did this, he did that, you know, and, and I didn't, I didn't take into consideration all that, all that stuff. And uh, I think if you're with a good mentor and a good program um, and then you also prepare those, you know, young coaches to be head coaches, I think they give you more as well while you have them because they're, you know, they're more ambitious. They're not just a gopher coach and, you know, things like that. So I, as much as it stinks to lose a quality coach in your program, like you said, I, I agree with you. You have to, you're doing a disservice if you don't, you know, push them and help them realize their dream if they can get to that level. Absolutely. And there's a lot to learn, right? Oh, <laughs> I mean, learn. yeah. I, and I, you know, mine, Cody Ash, who just took over at Canton, he's constantly contacting me coach, what do you do about this? What happens this? You know, I, I got this assistant that was coach Anderson's assistant. He doesn't agree with, you know, the kind of style that I want to play, blah, blah, blah. You know, what, what do I do for off season work? How do I deal with a kid that does this? There's, there's a ton to learn. And, uh, you know, going back to that first question, hard way or being an assistant for a while, you know, I don't, I don't know any other way than doing it the hard way. And I think all of that made me uh, more hungry for success and to to be a better coach and to uh, be a better leader. And if I wouldn't have gone through that and had something handed to me that was a ready-made program, um, I don't think I'd be as as satisfied with the result or uh, you know as ambitious to continue to build. So I think there's a ton to learn, and there's so many different ways to do it. But uh, I think being a real student of the game more than just the X's and O's is a really important part of becoming a quality coach. Huddle is the preferred video and analytics platform for over 6 million users and 150,000 teams worldwide. Huddle offers a complete performance platform, including the most powerful and flexible tools for video analysis with online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras, analysts, and more. For more information on Huddle, check out hudl.com or at Huddle on Twitter and Instagram. Hey, Brian. Hey, uh, welcome to the podcast. Can I, uh, sorry about that. Hey, um, 
can you tell me about what, what I want to learn from you is, is what are you doing on building? What have you done and what are you doing currently to continue to build a great program? I've heard nothing but great things. Let me, let me give you a little, some quotes here and then I want you to expand upon it. Um, one of the things you're known for is intensity, but you're also, your program's about intensity, but also balance. Your practices are high tempo uh, and so forth. You seem like really an intense coach, but you handle it the right way. Tell us about, about how you handle your intensity uh, in your program as far as uh, working with kids and, and having a good balance act with that. Well, I think as I've gotten older, I think that uh, the intensity – uh, is less from me and more from how we play and the, the passion that we play with. Um, I, you know, I, I really work hard to try to get the kids to give their best. Uh, you know, I ask the two things of them every day is to give their best effort and to have their best attitude. And, um, you know, with, with workouts, practices, uh, everything we do, I try to make it, you know, one of the most important things they'll ever do. Uh, some, you know, we've been lucky enough that it, I've helped develop, um, uh, 11 kids to be able to, from a school of 150 in the last eight seasons, be able to go play college basketball, uh, it's a small college level, uh, and realize their dreams. And, you know, when you, you show them your passion and love for the game and love for them, they tend to, to show that back to you. And uh, I've just, you know, part of it's, you know, a lot of hard work and time and effort. And then, a lot, you know, a lot of it's luck. Uh, right place, right time. Uh, you know, kids and parents and program hungry for success. Uh, and we've been able to deliver uh, you know, practice wise, uh, I play music and it's even in the classroom. I play music all day long, <laughs> classroom, in the gym, in the weight room, everything. Uh, there's always music going because it, it keeps keeps the motivation up. Uh, you know, it keeps their attention a little longer, keeps them a little pumped up. Um, you know, I, I've tried to take the way that I was coached by my father and try to uh, make it even better. And we have very little stand around time, try to, you know, be passionate in practice and, and demonstrate it, uh, verbalize it, get it from them. And, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's, we, we just do a lot of things that it's us together, a real, you know, people, you know, say family and this and that, but we, we truly are, uh, the kids, uh, have eaten lunch in my classroom um, every day for the last, oh, I don't know, seven, eight years. Uh, it started just on game days and then it became just basketball season that same year. And then the next year, uh, first day of school, I went down to the coach's office to sit down here, knock on the door, coach, coach, we're all at your room waiting. <laughs> and I was like, that's great. I was like, okay, it's the first day of school. Well, we're waiting there. So ever since then, um, I've had my classroom with the kids in it. We watch, you know, game film. We watch 
you know, motivational films, sometimes nothing, just sit and talk and chat. And, uh, you know, I've tried to take them around different states, Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, Kentucky, Missouri, Iowa, um, you know, all Indiana, all over to try to play the best competition we can, especially a small school uh, going out and playing big schools from different states and stuff. We've just spent a lot of time together, uh, and I think that's built, you know, a trust and a love and a passion. And I think some of my love and passion has rubbed off on this, and they just continue to, to do things that people seem to think they, they can't do. Yeah, and it sounds like to me – that your culture is aligned from top to bottom that you just can't, it's not just you, your players believe in it. And I'm sure your coaches do, right? Correct. And, uh, you know, that's, that's one of my former players that coaches at Western high school. Uh, if you watch them play, uh, people say it's, you know, it's pacing. <laughs> uh, Cause yeah. And I, I told them, I said, you know, you don't have to, run everything that we we run and stuff like that he goes but coach i know it works and how how we did it and how our program was run is the same way why why would i change things and you know they've got to be their own their own coaches and stuff but you know that's a that's a great compliment and makes me feel good that they would take those things and utilize them uh to have some success of their own coach would you recommend it sounds like to me and i i don't I don't mean this in a different way, but you have basically branded your program, which I think is important for coaches to do, right? You brand your program on identity and hopefully that identity is really positive like yours, right? Yeah. And, and I, I say, I, I'll tell you this, the, the single best thing I've ever done as a coach, and I don't know why I did it. It just came to me my first game at Payson. Uh, we were playing in the Pittsfield tournament, and they were about to go up the steps uh, to go out onto the court for warm-ups. And I said, come back here, come back here. I said, all right, we're going to do something. From now on, every game, you know, this is going to be, you know, our, our staple. After the game's over and we shake the other team's hands, you have about four to five minutes. You go into the crowd and you shake every single one of our fans' hands and look them in the eye and thank them for coming and supporting us. And I said, you can't go to your parents first. You can't go to your girlfriend or your buddies. I said, you go to those people that paid their hard-earned money to come watch you perform on the floor and look them in the eye and shake their hand like a man and thank them. And we did that, and it amazed people and brought all the, the older fans back. Uh, you know, we have season seats where you have to buy a season seat if you want that seat, and they've had to expand we have people on a waiting list and for a school small as ours to have, you know, people that won't get rid of them after, you know, there's people that put them in their will now uh, <laughs> to the rest of their family. So they don't lose those seats. And we've done that every single game, win or lose, no matter the size of the game, no matter if it's the, the state tournament, anything like that, we've done that every single game. We even do it in the, the summer. We're probably one of the only schools I've ever seen that, We've got some 70-plus-year-old people that will come follow us all over and watch us play every summer game that we play uh, that have no grandchildren, no kids, no nothing. They just love watching pace and basketball. And I think that kind of branded us and endeared us to the, the community. 
and it's the single greatest thing that I think I've ever done. It has nothing to do with basketball, but it really, you know, put pace in basketball in the hearts of the, the people in our community. And it's a really big thing. And those, you know, we pack gyms. We, most of our away games, we have more fans than the, you know, the, the home team uh, standing room only in our gym. We have a sunken floor horseshoe where you walk in above and walk down. Um, it's, it's an experience. It's a program and that, yeah, I, I would say it's a brand and uh, I think it's a good positive brand. Uh, we have a target on our back every year and everybody gives us our best, but I wouldn't want it any other way. Yeah, absolutely. So in your words, culture, Trump strategy. I think so. I think, you know, and listening to some of your other podcasts and some other coaches talk, uh, I thought about a lot of different things before this afternoon. And, and, you know, coaches can get in the way sometimes. Coaches' egos can get in the way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, think you, I think you need a, 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 to be successful. You need to be a good coach. But you also have to inspire people to go above and beyond what they think they can do. And I think the culture, the passion, the intensity, the attitude, the effort, and all that stuff can get you through in some of the leaner times and still be a quality team program and successful and also build better men uh, for when they're out of school and, you know, become, you know, parents and citizens and stuff like that. And that's, I think, I would say probably your culture, as long as it's not phony, it's not fake, and it's based on, you know, quality things uh which are our only three rules are do what's right treat others as you be treated and give 100 percent effort 100 percent of the time um if you do that i think that does trump strategy and and stuff because you look into those kids eyes and you see a, a passion of fire and a love and they see the love back from you they'll run through a wall for you and for their program their school their community and uh it's a it's a fun thing to watch yeah, I mean, you can tell the passion in your voice that what you got, what you're building there and so forth. And I'm hoping the coaches that are listening can really write that down because I'm not sure. Uh, I was speaking to a coach earlier today. You can walk into the gym and you can feel a culture, can't you? Yeah. And, you know, um, and I, I stress this. And I already said it, but I stress it a lot. It can't be fake. Right. It can't be a fake culture. It can't be for show. You know, nothing I do is for show. It, it's honestly all for the kids. Uh, it comes off uh, in a great positive way and in a, in a big time way and, and things like that. But I'm not doing it, you know, for myself. I'm doing it for the kids. I'm not doing it for the fans or anything. I'm doing it for the kids to give them the greatest experience possible. Um, and you know, it, you can feel it when you walk into a gym, but you can also feel fake right. culture. You can, the, I'm on Twitter and things like that. A bunch of other coaches there, there's some that you can tell are really genuine and, and know what it's all about. And you can tell others that are really trying to, you know, use the big buzzwords and <laughs> try to do this and that to try to make it's it's a simple game it really is it, it's complex but yet it's simple and, and leadership is complex but it's simple and if you try to do too much and you try to be something you're not it comes off as phony and it, it's hard to you know continue but I think what I've been able to do with the help of a lot of other people 
and a lot of committed kids and, and families and stuff is to do something that's genuine, that's simple and effective and, you know, at a fundamental level, not only in the X's and O's, but in everything else that we do uh, that's sustainable and, you know, can can be duplicated over and over regardless of the, the talent level or anything like that. Um, I think that it, it trumps everything else. That culture, as long as it's real and true, can get you uh, further than any strategy or X and O. Yeah, that's a great point. I'm going to read a quote from one of your players because I think the ultimate sign of a good coach is what their players feel. And this is what uh, he said. He pushes me really hard and is one – all the time when I'm <clears throat> and is on me all the time when I mess up, Hildebrand said, it shows me that he cares and he, and he wants me to get me better. Sometimes in practice, we'll randomly do drills like 11 man break and just have fun and lighten the mood. He'll say a joke or we'll turn on music and start dancing and have fun. That, that to me says a lot. So for what he's saying is not just about having fun, but it's about teaching them how to enjoy the process. Right. Correct. And uh, Cody Hildebrand was uh, one of the best players I've, I've ever coached. And, you know, I challenged him when he was a sophomore because he didn't want anything to do with inside the three-point arc. Uh, ha- had it not been for him being a little timid and not wanting to do anything inside the arc, he'd be our all-time leading scorer in pace and basketball history. Uh, he's in second place, uh, which really he only did it in – two seasons his junior and senior year he he scored a little bit freshman sophomore year but you know I I challenged him I said I just I don't know if you've got it and I knew he did but I wanted to see what he'd do he goes I got it I can I can do it I'll show you and he goes will you train me and I said yeah I said but I'm I'm gonna push you I mean I know what it takes to get to the next level because I had to do it myself and I had a, a football coach that told me oh no one from our school we'll ever get a, a full scholarship to play college basketball. And that, that drove me, that motivated me to do it. And I did it. And um, I kind of, you know, messed with his mind a little bit the same way. And uh, he went out and we, we trained and he started to love working out. And, you know, we didn't do the, the fancy stuff. We just found ways to, you know, get him to get the ball in the basket. And he became a great finisher uh, he scored over 1,200 points in just two seasons, uh, along with what he scored his freshman and sophomore year. Uh, came out his junior year first game, had 41 points, uh, put himself on the map. He became an All-Stater and went and played at Illinois College. Um, and it's funny you said that because just before we got on this podcast, his brother is going to be a senior for me this year. He just go, sent me a message, Coach, can I get your keys? I want to go get a workout in. And I got kids where – I don't have to set up workout times and stuff. And, and Cody was one of those that, that bought in long ago and uh, kind of that's what the kids want to be like. And his younger brother, uh, is, I'm coaching him now, and they contact me. I live across the street from the school. Can we get your keys? Can we go do this? Can we go do that? And I had former players that played that are going to the Show Me State games in Missouri uh, tonight and tomorrow to play, and they ask for keys. They Hey, coaches, this is Matt Smith, the president and founder of United Basketball Clinics. want to let you know about two great clinics we have going on later this year. 
The Hoosier Gym Coaches Clinic, August 23rd and 24th at the legendary Hoosier Gym in Knightstown, Indiana. Vance Wahlberg, Dave Love, Doug Porter, Mike Neighbors, John Kaufman, and more will be speaking that weekend. All sessions are on the floor with live demonstration. Also, we have the Peach State Coaches Clinic in Atlanta, Alpharetta, Georgia, September 28th. Hernando Planell, Charmin White, Gene Durden, Alan Whitehart, the staff from Georgia State University, and more. Please visit unitedbasketballclinics.com to register. Early bird pricing ends August 1st. That's unitedbasketballclinics.com. Same staff discount supply. I look forward to seeing you there. Hey, Brian. Yeah, continue on what you were saying uh, about how kids are just going into the gym on their own. It seems like they they have that self-discipline that that uh, you're really trying to build there. I continue on that. All right. Uh, you know, they'll, I don't have to set up you know, structured workouts or, or lifting or anything like that. Uh, I give the kids the tools that make them, you know, either don't choose to. And, you know, most of the time they choose to, they, they take control of their, their own destiny. And I think that's, you know, part of being a a motion, a motion style coach, you know, and growing up in that type of, you know, situation where, you know, you, give the kids the tools and then they've got to go discover. It's the Mm. same way. I think if you want to be a quality teacher in the classroom, Uh, if you're constantly barking at them and telling them what to do, they can't think for themselves. I tell the kids the first day of school, you know, I'm not going to teach you anything you don't want to learn. So if you don't want to learn any of this content, you won't, it doesn't matter what I do. So I'm not going to force feed it to you or anything. I'm going to lay it out for you. If you want to learn it, you'll learn it. If you don't, you don't. And, these kids have have taken the bull by the horns and, and they go do it. They organize, you know, if it's open gym, I, I just sit there, I'll do other work or, or watch. And sometimes I'll get some, some quick hitters or some actions that I like because they do it naturally. And then I try to build some of the things they do naturally into what we do. Um, you know, I just, here's my keys. Just put them back when you're done. Uh, just promise me you'll work hard. And it, yes, sir. And they do it. And it's, it's a great thing. And, uh, you know, it, it builds trust. Uh, it shows that you believe in them and they take ownership of the program. Uh, and then I, I think it makes them better adults. And I always tell them, you know, I want you to get the most out of this experience you can. I don't want you to have regrets because everybody does. Even I do when I, you know, from when I played, but if I can limit those regrets and you guys can be the type of father someday that you can sit and watch your son or daughter play and enjoy it. And just after they're done playing, say, hey, I love watching you play. Instead of being the, the dad that sits on the sideline or up against the fence and always barking at their kid to do this better and do that better because they're living vicariously through them. I said, I don't want you to do that. I want you to enjoy your career. And when it's over, it's over. And then you can become a great man and you can help inspire your kids or other kids uh, when you're an adult, the way I'm trying to do with you, and we can continue this type of culture, you know, wherever it is. It may be here. It may be wherever school they go to, uh, wherever the community they live in, but they can kind of continue this, and hopefully that's a, a legacy that I can leave that will keep going after, long after I'm gone. I, I love I love that. I wish that message could be sent to um, around the country and so forth because this is what I see. I see – I see parents hovering over their kids. I got to deal with that all the time. Of course, 
we have kind of an established program here right now, but you got to deal with parents. Like you talked about workouts. Um, I see so many trainers and so forth that are constantly, I, I, I love the idea of trainers, but I think we overtrain. <laughs> we, oh, yeah. we get too much stuff, too much information. I don't know if it's just my age or whatever, but um, I just think we overtrain, we overcoach. And that's, that's the thing. And I, I really believe that. And I, it's no disrespect to any trainers or, or anything like that, but uh, kids need to be kids. Uh, the train, I mean, even with our, you know, scheduled workout sessions, lifting and things like that, I don't think we've ever had a lifting session longer from start to finish, you know, getting there, getting warmed up, working out, cleaning up, leaving. I don't think it's ever been more than 45 that's minutes. That's great. Yeah. Um, I, I believe in efficiency. I believe in keeping them hungry, uh, you know, making them want to come back to the gym, making them want to come back to the weight room and things like that. Uh, making them want to come into the gym and shoot and, and get some, some play and stuff instead of, Oh no, we have to do this. So, you know, you, you kind of, it's not messing with their mind, but you kind of instill that in the end, they're making all these decisions. You're pointing them in the right direction. They're doing the things that you want them to do to become successful, but they're actually making these decisions, you know, themselves and the, the trainers and stuff, you know, I, I look at, you know, going back to Cody Hildebrand, uh, he became an all stater without any real moves other than basketball efficient moves and finishing around the basket and making game shots. And I still have yet to teach a Euro step or, you know, bunch of dribble combos and everything like that, because, you know, I believe in how we play is, is efficient and it must be good enough for a school of, you know, 150 uh, average size nine through 12 in the last eight years to send 11 kids that, you know, weren't on the radar uh, to play college basketball. And I got two more uh, this season that are going to be seniors that have played for me since they were freshmen that, you know, Division threes and NAIs and stuff are all over. So they're going to realize their dream of, of playing. And I just teach the basics. And I, I wrote something down for this that I, I really believe that, you know, times change. And they have, but fundamentals never do. And the further and further away we get from basic fundamentals, uh, the basic fundamentals of the game have never changed. A jump stop, still a jump stop. A pivot, still a pivot. You know, right-handed dribble, left-handed dribble, protection dribble, passing to a, to an open player on time, which is early. Uh, yeah, that's why I, I love John Beeline, and he's, he's probably the, the greatest coach uh, alive right now, uh, regardless of what anybody says, because he's at an elite level coaching elite players and making them better throughout their career because of fundamentals. I mean, his practices are like going watching a, a high school practice right. or, or a basketball camp with when they're, you know, working on fundamentals, jumping to catch, squaring up, um, you know, and I, I'm on Twitter looking a lot because there's a lot of good stuff. There's also a ton of coaches overcomplicating, a ton of trainers overcomplicating things and, and making things, you know, more than they really are or more complicated than they are just for, I don't know, to, to make it look good or to, 
to make you think you're, you know, bigger time than you are. I don't know. It just, I, I'm not that old yet, but I'm still old school. And I've at least where I'm at and what I'm doing, I've been able to prove that, you know, the efficiency, uh, being basic and getting kids to play hard and learn the game of basketball, not learn plays or anything like that. Just, you know, being fundamental and everything we do revolves around fundamental mastery, a uh, system of simplicity and total program efficiency. And I think less is more. And I think people are starting to cloud that. And it's the more junk we can get, get away from, I think the better we're going to be as a, as a program, as a, a coach, as a person, as a society. Um, you know, don't overcomplicate things. I love that. Hey, can you just give those three again? Because I think those are, if a if a young coach, uh, including myself, I love how you describe your program there. Just those three areas. The the three areas uh, that we everything we do, no matter if it's on the court, off the court, weight room, anything like that, everything we do revolves around fundamental mastery, system simplicity, and total program efficiency. You know, every year I try to, I mean, every, every day really, but every year I try to get more efficient at something that, that we do, whether it be, you know, how we store our basketballs, how we put them away, uh, how we get out, you know, our poly spots and stuff to, to teach offensive spacing, uh, how we warm up, you know, how we do, do the laundry, everything. Just uh, I'm trying constantly to make total program efficiency uh, every day. And, um, it just, I try to make simple spectacular and that's, that's what we try to do. Yeah. I love that. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. I mean, um, of course I'm writing some notes down here and I appreciate your, your wisdom, but I want you to share me your philosophy and you have five principles that your program lives by, right? Humility, passion, unity, servanthood, and maybe I'm missing one there at the end on that uh, thankfulness. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about those five? Yeah, it's uh, it's something that you know most people aspire to with the program. Uh, Brad Stevens and you know what they would do the Butler way and and things. It's there's a lot of different things I I put put up. I give to kids. I, I give to them to remember things and remind them. And overall, again, it comes back to simplicity and uh, our big three program rules, do what's right. And if you do what's right, you're always thankful. Uh, you're always grateful. You, you uh, think about others. You are united. You're a good teammate, you know, on the court, off the court in life. Um, you know, you have passion, you have intensity, uh, you know, you, you push in your chair, you clean up your trash, uh, you say please and thank you, you hold the door for people, you do all those things. Uh, everything that, you know, we could do instead of having a bunch of rules, and I learned this um, probably in my second or third year, I always used to try to write down, you give a handbook and you, you write down every possible scenario <laughs> uh, that you can, you know, if you do this, this, is the consequence of stuff. And I got some advice from a, from a coach, um, 
Matt Long at Camp Point Central, the girls coach at Camp Point Central. Uh, he's a IBCA Hall of Famer. Um, and he just said, you know, I, I don't write everything down. Um, you know, we, we base our stuff on a few things. And so I thought what my few things would be and, you know, do what's right encompasses everything. If you do what's right, you never have to worry about consequences of doing wrong. Now you don't always make the, the perfect decision and everything like that, but I don't have to put, you know, well, if you're late to practice, this happens. Well, if you do what's right, you're on time, on time's early. Uh, you know, you don't get in trouble in class because it's not right. You know not to do that. Uh, treat others as you like to be treated. I mean, that that sums it up right there. And then give 100% effort 100% of the time. It doesn't say at practice or at games or anything. Give your best effort all the time, every time, in everything that you do. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we call it pace and ball. And three words that describe you know, our program and what we do are committed, passionate, and unselfish CPU. I'm a, I teach computers <laughs> and stuff. So central processing unit. And the, the funny thing is Greg Bisher, who you talked to, uh, talked about Todd Bradshaw, uh, played for him at Griggsville Perry. Who's the Griggsville Perry coach. He's become a good friend of mine. And I asked him, uh, what, what he thought of our program and, if you could sum it up in a few words, what, what is pace in basketball? And those are the three he gave and I've used them because I said, I couldn't, I couldn't put it any better myself. Right. And he, he kind of expanded upon them, but pace and pace and basketball is committed. It's passionate and it's unselfish. And I think that's what I try to get our kids to do all the time, every time uh, in everything that they do. And uh, I think that encompasses all the other, acronyms and the little uh sayings and you know whatnot uh but uh i try to stick to those things and then we teach off of that and try to use those as lessons uh every day whether it's in practice at games after games in the classroom and uh utilize those yeah and it sounds like you guys are living it though it sounds like uh you're consciously and you're being intentional on teaching that and you probably to be honest with you, your system, that's what I want to talk about now, how your core values can be applied to on the court, which I think there's a direct link, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I don't think just like as a coach, uh, and I had to I had to do this when I was younger, I had to learn it. Uh, you can't be two different people. You can't be one way, one place and one way another. And that's what I tried to do when I was uh, my first five years of coaching. I was probably two different people. I was the coach. And then when I wasn't coach, uh, but I try to live it uh, now uh, as a coach, as a teacher, uh, as a human being. And I try to get those kids to do the same thing. And um, I think it translates really well to, to what we're doing uh, on the floor. So in our, our three words that are pace and ball committed, right there uh it doesn't say committed to basketball it doesn't say committed to academics it doesn't say committed to each other it's committed everything we try to do we, we commit to it if we're going to you know cut the lane if we're going to set quality screen and curl and shape up back to the ball we're going to be committed to it 
We're not going to, you know, go half speed. We're not going to, well, why coach? We're, we're committed, right. uh, you know, you know, passionate. Uh, are we passionate in, in how we approach practice, how we approach learning, how we approach uh, cleaning up the locker room, cleaning up the gym? Uh, are we passionate with how we thank our, our fans and, and our community? Are we passionate with uh, the love we show each other? Um, are we passionate in how we go after a rebound passionate that we, we want each other to do well and then unselfish, uh, try to get them to forget about, you know, me and focus on we and be unselfish. We, we really, and even in, in the summertime in games we play, I just tell them before we go out on the floor, I'm like, Hey, you know what we're trying to do. And offensively we're looking to, be great teammates and we're going to pass up a great shot for an excellent shot. We're going to pass up a shot for an almost unmissable shot. And then if, even if we pass that up, we're going to pass it up for a shot that we can't miss. So we're going to move the ball, move bodies, work with each other. We're never going to think about ourselves because when we do that, you know, we start to get away from our core values. But when you think about what you can do for everybody else and forget about yourself, you'll watch your value and your production soar in everything you do. And uh, they've taken to that, whether it's on the court or off, and it's built into our system from top to bottom, left to right. Everything we do uh, can come back to being committed, passionate, and unselfish and doing the right thing, treating others like to be treated, giving 100% effort 100% of the time. Uh, So I don't have to try to remember 18 million things or overcoach or anything like that. Everything can come back to those few values uh, that encompass everything. Hey coach, this is Brad Shutter calling from Plymouth, Wisconsin. I want to thank you for doing the podcast. I've learned a lot from it. Um, I am an elementary FIED teacher and a girls basketball coach. So we have a lot in common. I like the fact that you um, do a mix of both the FIED teachers and the coaches as well. Um, Keep up the great work. um, And once again, appreciate um, all you do to grow the game. Thanks. Hey, Brian. Hey, uh, I know I love what you were saying about how you kind of uh, transfer values to offense and defense. Does it give me give me a basic framework on how you teach your offensive system? And as far as I know, if you're talking to Jarrett Hunsinger, because I know everybody in Illinois runs the ball press, right? <laughs> Not everybody, but yeah, there's there's a few that that run it. Um, just kind of tell a little bit about your system on that. Kind of, kind of give a little, uh, little tactical information for for our listeners on what you do out there. Well, uh, when I took over the program, I I thought, you know, long and hard, because honestly, uh, the easiest thing to coach is offense. I mean, it really is. There's there's 
thousands of different offensive strategies and things that you can do. Um, and it's the most fun because, you know, there's a ball involved and kids get to, to shoot and score and things like that. So that's, that's a lot easier for buying. I had to sit and think after those first five years and how I could become more successful uh, and get to where I want to be with a program. What do I need to focus on? And I, you know, everybody says defense wins championships, but very few truly in their core and being believe that and put forth the effort to do that. And, uh, you know, I, I said defense is going to be what we're going to hang our hat on. Um, and defense is the toughest to coach, but it's honestly the most important component to winning. Um, you've got to get kids to learn to love defense, not just a thing they have to do, but learn to love it. Um, and I was able to do that by, um, you know, we use tons of disadvantage drills we just overstimulate kids as far as, as you know, flying around on defense uh, and making it harder in practice than it is in a game. Uh, we do different, you know, I call it run the rack drills. We got a rack that holds 18 basketballs and we'll put a bunch of basketballs on there and we'll, you know, every touch, you know, deflection we get, we take a ball off the rack and everybody yells out and counts and, you know, we'll give them a, a couple minutes to run the whole rack. <laughs> uh, if they, if they give up a basket, we put a ball back on. Um, you know, we do a lot of competitive drills uh, with only the only way to score points is on defense through getting touches or stops. Uh, so I've built it where scoring in practice in live situations isn't worth points. Uh, it's just a way to get the pleasure to play defense. So if we do like a three stops drill, you got you get three consecutive stops. The offensive team wants to score as fast as possible, not because they want points because they don't get it. That's the only way they can get on defense. So then I've, I've made it to where, you know, we'll have, you know, white and blue. Okay. Uh, pick a number between one and 10. So, okay. Blue, you want it. What do you want to be on offense first or defense first? And, you know, because they know the defense and I, I never have to ask anymore, but I do just to see what they'll say, but they always want to be on defense first. Um, and I think that's been the, the, way that we you know won 21 games the first season the first time in 20 years 20 games have been won at Payson and it was instant credibility it was all based on defense offensively um, I started with you know five out motion um, which I kind of started coaching back before you know coaching videos and the internet got real big (laughs) Uh, and I didn't know you know five out Bob Huggins was the first I heard and looked at stuff and I was like, whoa, this is, this is very similar to what I've been teaching. And, you know, I I truly, I just, I thought of a way uh, with smaller kids playing against bigger kids, how we can, can score and be efficient. And I found, you know, we got to keep the lane open. How are we going to do that? So what I did was I just, I taped a huge trapezoid, you know, bigger than the, the old, international lane look like the FIBA lane used to look like. Uh, but it's like, this is, you know, this is a no fly zone. You can cut through there, but you can't hang out in there. Once you, once you cut through, you got to get out and, you know, return outside the arc and this and that. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of an idiot, I guess, because I never, you know, wrote a lot of this stuff down or videotaped it or anything right. like that. Maybe I could have ma- made a few bucks or something, but uh, it's always been motion based. So I started out, um, you know, 
five out once I learned what it was formally five out and it just it's really just a a reference point we're really truly motion you can't really tell what we're doing and we're hard to scout uh we're able to do it against man and zone we just change up a couple of you know ways that we cut or things we're looking for uh against the zone um but it's just teaching kids how to play and the best shots that we can get and then actions and i'll tell you this the the thing that I think made me the best uh, X's and O's wise of, of getting things to be efficient was I took over the junior high girls program that uh, we just started up pace and hadn't had girls basketball for, you know, 20 wow. years or so. Mm. Uh, and we restarted the junior high program and I, I did it. And uh, the girls didn't really know basketball and I had to find out ways to, to teach them and relate to them and give them easy things to think of. So, um, you know, I put, you know, the, the folding lunchroom tables. Yes. Um, I'd put those up, you know, and they're really big, but I put those up in like a two, three zone or a one, two, two and stuff. And we just, you know, cut inside and, and sit in gaps and things like that. So we called our zone offense tables. Okay. So just when, <laughs> when you pass the ball, you, you got to cut and try to get between two tables. So then I related to the girls on the other team are going to be the tables. Just don't be standing next to one. Try to be in between tables. Uh, and then, you know, we, we worked on that defensively. We got better. I was trying to teach them, you know, ball press, uh, which they got really good at. But I changed the half court rotations. I turned it. To, listen, you're really in triangles here. We're going to use the, the terms ball, chair and home. You're either guarding the ball, you're guarding the high post, and because we put chairs there, I just called it chair. And then home was the backside, you know, block area. Uh, so we do a drill called ball chair home. Um, and I showed them that you don't have to be running all over the floor. Here's where you jump to the ball. When the ball, if you're a, if you're a wing, uh, the ball goes opposite of you. You're going home. If the ball goes anywhere between the slots, you know, or the point you're coming up and you're defending chair. If the ball goes to your wing, you're guarding ball. So you can't go wrong. If you're doing those things, you're either ball chair or home. And the same with the point they're you know, never home, but there's ball chair, ball chair. Cause they're either going to be guarding the ball. Or they're going to be guarding somebody at high post. And then we work to figure eight drills uh, and put trash cans there for the girls to figure eight around and stuff. Um, and I just, I'd have to remind them during games and stuff, just trash can. And they knew exactly what I was talking about. So chair, chair, right. home, home, trash can, trash can tables, you know, things like that. Um, and then I found that, um, offensively we were, we'd run stuff, but if I wanted to run a play call it Michigan state, some kids would be like, well, what's that? Well, we've run it, you know, for three weeks. How do you not know what it is? <laughs> So I, we, I used our cuts, uh, our numbered cuts that I put in to make simple plays. So if I called like a 124, um, it became a play. And so we could run infinite amount of what you call little plays, but you can run it from anywhere at any time and just call out actions to try to get the ending action that you want. Um, with some window dressing being the other cuts, but if they're open, okay. But, it just became an infinite number of plays at any point in a possession, beginning, middle, end that we could run. And 
I say kind of it's because we were a little too stupid to run plays that were called something. So I just started numbering plays. And if I wanted to end with a ball screen, I could end with that ball screen number and put any other actions in front of it. And we've just got really good at it. And it's a really easy way to communicate with kids on the floor during action, right in the middle of a possession, you know, uh, without having to say a lot of words. And it goes back to the efficiency, trying to make everything as efficient as possible. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how we, we run our, our defense and our offensive system. Yeah, I love that. I, I tell you what I love, Brian, is your ability to teach. If you can teach middle school girls who haven't played, you're one heck of a teacher. Um, and just your ability to verbalize good verbals, good visuals, that's a good sign of a master teacher, right? Well, I, I'd like to think so, and I'm always learning. I, you know, I, I know that there's things I still have to learn and get better at. Um, but uh, I had a guy, you know, about three, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. The last thing we did this summer at Illinois College, we played a guy, just a guy from some other school. He, he stopped me on the track of the field house at Illinois College. And, and I only say this not, not for a bragging thing, but just to it, it kind of gives some validation to the kind of program that we run. Uh, he goes, Coach, can I talk to you for a second? I was like, sure. I didn't know what he wanted. Uh, he goes, I just want to tell you that you're the best coach I've ever seen. <laughs> and I kind of was like, oh, oh, whatever. He goes, no, I'm serious. He goes, I watch, I've watched your team play now, and I, I've seen you in the regular season but I watched your team again today, a couple of games. And he goes, you can tell they're coached. They're, they're not all structured and like robotic and stuff. He goes, your kids jump to catch. They know how to pivot. They know how to shot fake. They do things. They pass up, you know, some, some open shots to get an easier shot. They know how to move in relation with each other. They, you know, they pass the ball to each other. They communicate verbally and non-verbally. You don't have to be up screaming and yelling. You don't have to call out stuff. They just, they know how to play. He goes, I, it, it's so refreshing to see that. He goes, I can tell you're just an excellent coach. And, you know, I just, I wanted you to know that honestly, all the coaches I've seen in my lifetime, he goes, you're the best coach I've ever seen. And I looked around because I want to say, well, is anybody around here to hear that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so they know that I'm not, that, that I'm not lying. Yeah. But, but it made me feel good and validate what I'm doing because early on in my career, you know, this is the kind of stuff I wanted to do, but because I didn't have the talent and I was young and just starting out uh, and didn't know the ins and outs, you know, for sure, and needed to build that, uh, I tried to copy other great coaches and not like my ways better than anybody else. But I, I finally just came to the realization that I can't be somebody else. I can't be a master teacher of somebody else's curriculum. I have to be a master teacher of my own curriculum that I believe in 100%. And, uh, you know, we, we played teams that their coach is up directing all this stuff. And I, I sit, I don't sit during, you know, regular season games uh, because I've tried a couple of times, but then I'll have fans go, coach, coach, they need you. You need to be up and be intense and stuff. They feed off that. They need you. I'm like, well, you know, as the older I get, I'd like to relax a little bit. But uh, I, I got to sit and watch them play and execute and, you know, learn from each other, learn on the fly. 
and do those things. And it's, it's great to watch. And, uh, you know, I, I still go back to those junior high girls and those girls that I coached just graduated. They were sixth graders. Then uh, I coached them in sixth, seventh and eighth grade. And, uh, they just graduated. This was this, this past year's senior class. And it was, it was fun to, to watch them develop. And I go back to that and tell people that that's where I truly think I, and I still have a ways to go to be a master teacher of it. But I think that's where I started learning the mastery of teaching is, you know, make it to the, the lowest of levels. If that means you make it almost childish and, you know, hearing your, that you, teach k through five pe and stuff you know it would be just the way you would teach games and skills to k through fifth graders as i would teach you know to high school basketball players and i think it's become you know our staple is you know people say the kiss method keep it simple stupid but we really try to keep it simple and uh i think that's that's the mark of a really good coach is if they can teach the game a teacher is a coach, a coach is a teacher. And uh, my classroom is the basketball court. And I try to teach a lesson every day and utilize every, every opportunity I can to, to teach them how to play, how to play with each other, how to counter what the other team does, fix mistakes on their own on the fly, and uh, take control of their own destiny. Yeah, those are great. Those are great concepts, Coach. I know that. Uh, and But I, I'll – it sounded like to me, I, I believe in a theory called the proximity principle. And that is, it's particularly when you were learning how to coach, you probably went around and studied and were around great coaches. And I believe that coaches need to do that more. And I, I'm telling you, I'm learning a lot right now just by listening to you, just on the simple, the championship vision that you have. But don't you think coaches need to be around and study other great coaches for them to get better, right? Yeah, and I, I think that's lacking. I think the the technology today allows you to to um, you know get things at your fingertips, but you you don't. And I, I have I have a bunch of DVDs, and and you know I <laughs> I don't here. really use them. I, I've I've watched. I go back and watch them and see some things, you know, here and there. But it's it's more just you know not so much to take what somebody else does it's just to find one little tiny nugget that can enhance what you do um but at the same time you don't get to pick their brain you don't get to be there and ask questions you're just watching it you're just looking at things on the internet you're just looking at you know pdf files of things that great coaches have put out you don't get to see it in action uh you know just stepping in and watching a practice it doesn't have to be a clinic just watch right. a practice uh you know, do things like you're doing. You're talking to, you know, great coaches and, and learning. And, you know, it doesn't matter how good you are. You could win state championship every, every season you coach, but you can still learn something. And once you stop learning is when you become an idiot. So, you know, you, you keep always learning. Uh, you know, I listened to you talk about the, the clinic that you put on, uh, you know, Greg Bisher said something about the Carrollton Roundtable uh, that's no longer there because some some of the coaches now, the younger coaches that are now taking the jobs and stuff, aren't into that coaching fraternity and, and don't show up for those things. Uh, coaching clinics are, you know, most of them aren't as 
attended as well unless you give an incentive like well we'll give you this we'll give you this shirt and this notebook and stuff it's you know you just like to be around if you're a true you know connoisseur of, of basketball coaching knowledge and understanding how to lead and teach you want to be in the arena you want to be sitting down face to face face to face with somebody you want to be talking you want to be able to ask questions you want to diagram you want to see you don't just you know, sit in your, your living room by yourself or down in your man cave, watch some videos, look up some stuff on the internet and think you're going to be able to translate that into success. Um, you know, it's, it's just like teaching. If you did all your online, you know, courses online and stuff, kids wouldn't learn as much. Uh, they wouldn't be able to ask questions of you. They wouldn't be able to work with their peers and do peer learning because our kids learn from each other. You know, if a kid says something out loud, like, hey, don't, hey, I'll stop him. Hey, stop. Say that out loud to the rest of your teammates. And, you know, they'll, they'll kind of coach each other up. And I think that's lacking. And, you know, the, the older coaches and some of the coaches that still have or were brought up with some old school values are trying to keep that going. Uh, but it is lacking. I think it's lacking in everything that we do, but especially coaching it. It's a Coaches, I got an exciting announcement. On September 14, 2019, the Legends on the Lake Basketball Coaching Clinic will be back. Um, we're really excited to host a great clinic this year. Uh, we will have the top coaches in the state of Georgia and around the country uh, attend our 2019 clinic here at Lake Oconee Academy in Greensboro, Georgia. The clinic will go from 8 a.m. until 6 p.m. We, we feel like we are the most unique coaches clinic in the country and that we will have a live demonstration team from Middle Georgia Prep School demonstrating all the on-court activities for the speakers. In addition, we'll have the best high school coaches from states like Georgia, Wisconsin, Alabama, Tennessee, Missouri, and New Jersey. We have speakers starting at 8 a.m., and we will have our last speaker at 3.45 p.m. We provide the coaches with a meal, snacks, shirt, everything they need in our beautiful new facility here at Lake Oconee Academy. You cannot go wrong. If you're interested in signing up for this clinic, I will give you a special deal. Please put <clears throat> a special code <clears throat> of LEGENDS. And you email me at furtadok57 at gmail.com. I will give you a special discount if you come to our clinic. And also, I'll provide you any hotels that are close by the school. We're right off of I-20 here in Greensboro, Georgia. Looking forward to seeing all you coaches. Take care. Ryan, I appreciate that. I can tell you're a patient person on that. Uh, but I appreciate your patience with me. Hey, continue on what you were no saying. I love what you were saying about um, the fraternity of coaches. I think it, where you ended. Yep, yep. Uh, it, and it is. It's a, it's a fraternity. And I think somehow we've got to, if we want to continue, and not just for individual coaches like, to be great coaches and have a great record and stuff. But if we really want, if we really care about the game and care about, you know, the kids that are going to become adults and then their kids that are going to become adults that are going to continue running this game, you know, until the end of time, uh, 
we've got to find some way to get it back to that. And it's little by little, um, you know, it's, it's awesome that I, I stumbled across, uh, your podcast stuff before you ever asked me <laughs> and happened to Jarrett's a, a good friend of mine. He, and he's, he's a, he's a great one. And I've, I've learned things from him and he's learned a lot of things from me and he's one that would, Hey, I'm going to come over, uh, you know, like next week. And right now we're a little too far away to do that. But when he was up at Scotland County uh, in Missouri, he would come over to Quincy and, you know, we'd meet and just be in, a, you know, our gym by ourselves and, the, you know, uh, nobody around. We just walk through things on our own and he'd ask questions about this and I'd show him this and we'd discuss and, uh, you know, go out to eat and talk about it and different things. And uh, we need more of that. And I don't, I don't, think that everybody has to share their their secrets but uh you know no one can do what i what i can do better better than myself i can't do what you do better than yourself so even though we may share what we do it doesn't mean that it's not going to be effective for us anymore or we should be too selfish to to share because you know we want people to to get better it, it only enhances, you know, our product and, you know, our legacy. And I've tried and tried and tried to get coaches uh, to do the handshake thing after games. You know, no one wants to. The only one that does is my former player that's at Western. He does it. And some people say, oh, you know, he's copying. I'm like, that's fine because it's probably the best thing. I don't, offense, defense, I don't care. But, you know, endearing yourself to the, the community and, and thanking them for being part of it is huge. And, you know, I've tried to share that with the the coaching fraternity is those those little things. And it's not stealing. I mean, it's none of this stuff is trademarked. It's it's there for the taking and to to enhance and use to for the betterment of basketball, and the betterment of kids and society. And, uh, you know, I I think it would be be great if someone was able to listen to this uh, podcast and, and take something that maybe I shared that they might use or make their own and enhance it. And I may see it someday and say, Hey, that was something I did, but Hey, they did it even better. I'll, maybe I should think about that. You know, it's, it's, it's a fraternity. And I, I think people get away from that because we get selfish with our technology and well, I don't want to drive an hour to go sit down and talk with this coach, or I don't know what I'd say. So I'll just email and you know, whatnot. So it, it's what you do is, is a great thing. It's, it's really impressive. Um, you know, very appreciative to be able to be a part of it and, and discuss things like this. Brian, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I got, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm taking more than two or three things from you. Um, and I love the handshake after the game. I think that's, that's just as a sign of class. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I love that. It, it, it's difficult, you know, at the end, but I mean, you know, we're, we're in the elite eight, and you know we lose by six points and our kids are are crying the fans are crying stuff yet we still came out and probably spent 15 20 minutes and i would guess probably the entire community was at that game um shaking every single one of their hands people giving hugs to kids that you know they they know by name but they don't know them um you know and it's just we we've built that and if you took away everything else 
you know, and told me I had to run a different offensive system, a different defensive system, change how practices went, everything like that. And I could only keep one thing. Uh, that would be the one thing I keep uh, because I think it, it, it goes back to our, you know, what our program is based on being committed, being passionate, being unselfish. And, you know, you asked the question on, you know, or said something about how it kind of translates into the basketball and, you know, everything else. I mean, right there, I think that shows that our kids and our program are, com- are committed to our, our school and our community and the people that we play for. Uh, and they're committed to us. I think it shows that we're passionate about not only playing the game, but performing for those people and, and giving them something for their hard earned money that they use to, you know, spend the gas money to drive all over and watch us play and pay for the, you know, you know, tickets to get into games and watch and everything. And then shows that we're unselfish, that we don't, you know, just after the game, we go in the locker room and think about ourselves, we, you know, first and foremost, we shake the other team's hand, the other coaches, and, and then we go right to our fans and, you know, thank them for coming and show that they're just as important, more important than ourselves going down and discussing the game first. Um, so it's, it's something that, you know, not everybody would want to do or would try to do or would think it would be too much. It just came to me before that very first game I coached here at Pace and 10 years ago, and it's been ever since, every single game. So it's it's something that, you know, if, if it works for you, I'd, I'd love to see, you know, you do it with your program and send me an update sometime or some I pictures will. of your girls going up into the going up into the crowd. Absolutely. Hands. I just think it's a great connection because I don't think we connect enough personally. I think we're so impersonal nowadays with phones. I think that's a great connection with people. I don't think we do enough of that. So I, I absolutely love that. And I appreciate Brian, you taking the time out and connecting with me and our listeners. And, um, Thank you again for just for sharing with sharing all that wisdom. Do you have any one last piece of advice you can give to us coaches before you leave? Uh, I, I, I would just say that, you know, find something that you're passionate about and do it with, with your kids. Uh, players making, and if we're talking about basketball, players making plays wins more games than players running plays. We can make drop the best play, but the the beauty of basketball is that it's so unpredictable. A kid could trip and fall. You could get officials that don't call something, you know, they can hold, grab, whatever. But if you can teach kids the how and the why, you're going to set them up for more success than if you always try to you know push them into doing it your way because you know kids may surprise you and it goes back to when you know sitting and watching our kids in open gym and i'll find an action they do well or a couple times like hey let's incorporate that because it's something you obviously you know do naturally and you like let's let's find a way to do it um you know there's million ways to win but i think you know, listening to things like your podcasts, you know, talking to coach, I think you can find a bunch of things that will help you and enhance what you do, but find those few things that you believe in to your core and try to make them about more than basketball, things that you can incorporate and teach 
on the court and then quickly say, hey, you see how this translates from, you know, this, you know, action in basketball to the classroom or to when you're going to have to wake up early in the morning for a job and your back hurts and you don't want to go to work, but you have a family you have to provide for. So you have to, you know, those things. So, you know, the advice is just no matter what, find something that you are passionate about and find a way to build it into what you do. Because like I said earlier, times change, but the fundamentals never do. So you can do all the Euro steps and this and that you want, but a good old fashioned jump stop, catching the ball (laughs) with two hands, passing it to a target on time, all that stuff and being passionate about those little things, making simple spectacular is going to be the best thing for you. And coaches, please think long-term because these kids may be here to help you get wins on your record and stuff, but what are you doing to help them get wins on their record for life? And I hope yeah, that that's great. You know, yeah. Coach, coaches are doing it so they help enhance the lives of the kids that they touch daily. Yeah, just having a great impact on the kids that you coach. I, I love that. Brian, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, which I think people will, how, what's the best way? Is it an email? Is it is it Twitter? What's the best way? Uh, Twitter and email is good. Uh, my Twitter handle is the at Coach B Ray, Coach B R E A. And then that's the same uh, for the email. It'd be coachbray at gmail.com. Those are the, those are the two best ways. And, you know, I'm always open to discuss and, and help. And I'm always all ears to just talk basketball or leadership or anything. And I hope, you know, you stay in touch. And I'm following you on, I'm following you on Twitter. I'm going to (laughs) be, interested i i got you know i got spotify so i can listen to all your i listened to two or three last night before i went to bed um you know just outside of just twitter and stuff keep in touch you know send me some emails anytime you want to send some pictures i mean you got my number now pictures of you know some things you're doing maybe if you do the shaking hands some of the pictures of that uh you know if you find anything good that might be valuable to me get a hold of me and let's you know try to parlay this into continuing to build the coaching fraternity like it you know used to be. i love that absolutely and that's why i'm doing the podcast i have met and gained so many friends over this podcast i um and i i appreciate you taking the time out i would i should have told you about our clinic jared's coming to our clinic he's traveling from missouri we have a legend clinic out here i gotta get brian ray to come out next year man I would I would do that if you if you're willing to have me I'd I'd love to even even if it's not to speak I'd love to I'd love to come out and if there's anything I share I'd share if there's not I'd probably yeah absolutely I'll, I'll kind of I'll send you the clinic information uh, maybe you can come out with Jarrett <laughs> that yeah that'd be good we he and I always always talk about hooking up as much as we can because we're further away from right. each other but that might be a a way to spend some time together as well but yeah please keep in touch. This, this has been excellent. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for doing what you're doing for the, the coaching community. And hopefully people are using it to, you know, better themselves, not just for their own career, but for the betterment of, of kids in the game of basketball. Yeah, Brian, thank you so much. I know today I got, I got, I got at least 1% better, 2% better. Cause that's what I'm asking my daily goals. And uh, you just made me a better coach, man. I appreciate your wisdom. Thank you so much. Thank you very Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Coach. All right. Bye now.
Hey coaches, this is Nick Bartlett with Dr. Dish Basketball, and you're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Make sure to check us out at drdishbasketball.com and on Twitter and Instagram at, at drdishbball for daily basketball drills, tips, inspiration, and how we've revolutionized the basketball shooting machine over here at Dr. Dish. Also mention this podcast and you will receive an exclusive discount on your next Dr. Dish purchase. Thanks for tuning in. Coaches, thank you again for listening to the podcast. Um, that was my 75th podcast with uh, Coach Brian Ray. And I just want to tell you what a joy to listen to coaches from all over the country. Uh, I have learned so much. I just want to give kind of a, kind of a breakdown of, of why, why I do the podcast and uh, the uh, impact that it's having on me and hopefully coaches like yourself. Uh, it's all about sharing the game. As uh, Coach Ray said, um, we need to build relationships in our coaching fraternity. And it's so important to go out, go to a practice, college, high school, and build relationships. Learn the game. Learn something that you don't know. I know many of us, um, you know, can get out and and study the game through the Internet and social media and so forth. But it's so much better if we go and talk and meet with coaches. Because I think that's ultimately where our games are going to continue to grow. Uh, Kevin Eastman said, it's be a learn it all, not a know it all. I totally agree with that. Uh, learn something every day. My goal every day in my life is try to get one percent better every day. Try to learn something different. Um, and I each day I have what I call my Wilt notebook, which is what I learned today. I want to learn at least one or two things every day that I had no clue about, and that just that just keeps me sharp, keep sharpening my saw, and I hopefully. Coaches, we can do more of that. And then the last thing is, and I learned this today listening to uh, Eric Musselman, the head coach at Arkansas. He says, coach for the purity of the game. Don't coach and put pressure on your players by saying win, win, win. Coach for the joy and the purity of the game. And that just hit it's hit a note with me. I, just, I absolutely love that. Uh, he was talking about his um, last year at Nevada Reno where they, they had high expectations, but they were focusing on winning. And he said what they should have done was focus on the purity of the game, just teaching the game, the joy of the game, and just kind of trying to get better. So hopefully you take those comments and so forth and apply that to your life, and, and um, hopefully these podcasts are having a great impact on you. All right, coaches, share the game. Thank you.